You are listening to WMNF Tampa. Hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Walk with me, Susie Lee, through the park, by the tree. We will rest upon the ground Look at all the bugs we found Safely walk to school without a sound Safely walk to school without a sound Well here we are, no one else We walk to school all by ourselves There's dirt on our uniforms From chasing all the ants and worms We clean up and now it's time to learn we clean up and now it's time to learn Numbers, letters, learn to spell Nouns and books, show and tell Playtime, we will throw the ball Back to class, through the hall Teacher marks our height against the wall Teacher marks our height against the wall We don't notice any time pass We don't notice anything We sit side by side in every class Teacher thinks that I sound funny But she likes the way you sing Tonight I'll dream while I'm in bed Silly thoughts run through my head About the bugs and alphabet When I wake tomorrow I'll bet You and I Again. I can tell that we are gonna be friends Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends Well, hello, good afternoon. You are listening to WMNF, the best little station in the nation. My name is Joellen Schilke. I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the mostest and so much love and gratitude to Frank Knox, a.k.a. Frankie Mopar and Tom Collins for filling in last week. If you want fun, you can listen to them. And next week... Brian Van Fleet is going to be filling in. So it just gets better and better and better, better and better and better. Um, I would like to let you know that today uh, support for WMNF comes from listeners like you in the 2022 Tampa Fringe, a festival running July 28th through August 7th in Ebor. It's a chance to binge on the performing arts. All shows are an hour or less with theater, burlesque, comedy, storytelling, opera, improv, kids shows, and more. Info at tampafringe.org. I also want to let you know, coming up after this show, of course, is the wonderful E-Love Show. It's a show about global electronica, uh, and it just is one of those swoopy music shows that takes you away, especially if you're driving. It's really fantastic for driving. Anyway, let me let this play. <laughs> I'll be right back.
Yes, yes, yes. We're going to fade Yolo Tango. I feel like there's people in my life who will come after me for that, but it's what we're going to do because we have uh, three three acts with four people um, <laughs> in the studio right now to talk about one of the really fun uh, things that happens every year in Tampa, and it's the Tampa Fringe Festival. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. So with us, we have uh, the Discomfort Zone, Vincero Opera, I just said Experience, no. The Italian Opera The Italian Opera Experience, (laughs) should never do anything, and Spook and Gay. Uh, So we have a a kind of a variety of uh, shows here to represent the second weekend of Tampa Fringe. So have you all participated in Fringe before? Yes. Yes. Not in Tampa, but elsewhere. Elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Super. Well, I want to introduce everybody, and uh, if you would say who you are, and then just briefly say uh, what your company is, and uh, maybe uh, uh, one minute what you do. And Natasha, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Awesome. So my name is Natasha Samrini. I live in Tampa now. I'm a storyteller and comedian. My group is called The Discomfort Zone, and it is five comedians telling true stories. It's called the discomfort zone because if you know comedians we love being on stage talking about ourselves and making you laugh but it isn't always comfortable to be vulnerable and tell you what the real deal is Mm. so that's us we have uh one more show coming up but we're loving it all right nat um actually i'm natalia but i prefer to go by nat and at because sometimes my name causes problems when you (laughs) so that's why i just decided to go with a short version of that so what i do i'm actually a singer in ventura so i'm not the creative mind behind that so uh eugenio stico who is the maestro of the show he will probably tell more so i'm a mezzo soprano i'm a professional (gasps) opera singer so i specialize in playing and acting bitches britches and witches (laughs) (laughs) three of my favorite types of people Exactly. That's why I love to be a mezzo. You don't have a chance to sing the good girls. You always go with the bad people. I want to say that's unfair because I have a low voice. And I can occasionally be a good girl. So I feel like, wait a minute, we need to work on this opera, people. And then uh, Gina Vincero. So Vincero, the Italian opera experience. It's the 5th through 7th with Tampa Fringe. And it is it covers all of the top hits from the 60s to 90s. So it's the 1760s to 1890s, <laughs> to be more specific. And it is uh, just a great introduction and very accessible for people but who want to experience it, opera. It seems, though, that there's more going on. It's not just a concert performance of the hits, right? There's That's a little, right. It's a little more complicated than that. Well, exactly. It's more, you know, it's part musical review, part follies. So we've taken the old Siegfried Follies concept and we've worked all of the top opera hits that people didn't know that they know mm-hmm. into our own original format uh, to share the music and show uh, how it uh, how it applies. Aren't a lot of those top hits reused for Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals? <laughs> uh, that's debatable. I mean, certainly, you know, uh, Rent is Rent is the opera, oh, right. La Boheme, right. just set to rock music, essentially. Right. Um, you know, and, and there's all sorts of influences from, you know, Frank Sinatra, uh, classics mm-hmm. that draw on opera and and you know probably most relevant in, in today is uh, you know its use in movies mm-hmm. commercials you know Doritos commercials <laughs> uses, you know La Donna Mobile for you know and, and you know Nessun Dorma is, is used everywhere and the, and the funny thing is a lot of these arias 
are actually kind of horrible arias in the sense that they talk about, you know, dying and, mm-hmm. and committing suicide right. and, and all of jealousy. these jealousy. Yeah, je- you know, all of these themes. And then all of a sudden, you know, womanizing, you know, for La Donna Mobile is a song about womanizing. And it's, you know, in a Doritos commercial with a grandmother and a little baby. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just hungry. Maybe we have different relationships with Doritos. True. And Bruce, speaking of different relationships. Hi. Uh, my name is Bruce Ryan Costella. Um, my company is BC Theatricals, but you can call me whatever. Uh, my show is Spooky and Gay Cabaret. It's a queer horror variety fantasia. So uh, it's essentially an evening of songs and skits and scary stories that uh, I've honed over the past couple of years. This sounds so great. I have to say, I have a very special place in my heart for Tampa Fringe because it brings forward people who might be doing this creativity within my driving range and I don't even know about them. So I'm wondering, are, are you all, uh, uh, Natasha, you had mentioned that you're local now. Are you all uh, Florida people? Or are you all Tampa people? I, I have a couple of no's. So yeah. I'm I'm a military brat, which is actually what part of uh, my story is about. But so we we moved all over, and mm-hmm. it honestly, actually took me a while to sort of claim Florida as my own <laughs> because uh, when we first moved here, I was just like, oh my god, we're going to Florida, like from overseas, we're gonna go to Disney World and beaches, mm-hmm. and then it just ended up being like Florida cows, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So yeah, so I, I still consider myself like a, a, a military brat, but I'll claim Florida right now if it gets me any bennies. Right, yeah, it'll totally get you bennies. Florida, Florida has a lot of wonderful things yes, about it. Does. it. If you yes. just kind of ignore really huge parts of our state, um, the rest of it is great. If I so. could, I would spend all day on the beach. <laughs> and then as our, our, as our favorite um, opera experience, are you all living here in Florida or are you... No. No. no where are you, so where actually you it's rather complicated when you talk about me. So I was born in USSR. Well, not, I, just wanted, I, I just want to know where your company performs. Uh, so we are currently based in Boston. In Boston. Right. Oh, so, oh, so you came down from the hot, a really super hot Boston to a really super, super hot, hot. Florida. Well, the thing is like, well, we're actually quite lucky in terms of the last two summers. <laughs> so it's pretty much the same, it's just less humid. Right, yeah. Yeah. But we also, you know, some of the cast also, we have a uh, one singer that for this for Tampa that came from Europe from Latvia where Nat's originally right. friend a friend there, um, and the other fringes that we've done we have a singer from uh, Spain and and others from Italy that come mm-hmm. over. Um, so depending on how the economy and plane tickets right, go, yeah, depends on what true. cast you get for the day. This is true. And Bruce, where's where's your locale? So I'm an Orlandoan, and uh, <laughs> which is what one self identifies as when they're from Orlando. <laughs> Better than uh, a tampon. <laughs> 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 Do you really go by that? That's amazing. Let's normalize that. He's the flat A, the flat A. <laughs> uh, but I've wanted to uh, do this fringe for quite some time. Um, but the it's a lottery system, so it, it sort of um, equalizes everyone's chances to get in. Um, so I have not had luck with that equalized lottery system, but um, this year it worked out in my favor, Yay. so I'm glad to be and performing And in our here. favor, too. Yeah. So now um, there are fringe festivals, and, and thank goodness that there are fringe festivals all over the world. I think that Edinburgh is probably the, the best known, but they are all over the world and all over the country and actually all over Florida. Uh, how necessary are uh, fringe festivals or festivals similar to fringe theater festivals, performance festivals, how necessary are they for what you all do 
um, you know, like when you're not doing comedy, when you're, you know, because this is not, no, uh, none of you do sort of one straightforward thing, which is great. Like this is to me wonderful that um, when Trish sent me the information, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> because everything has like, it's not easily categorized. And so as people who run performance companies and performance organizations doing something that's not easily categorized. Will you talk a little bit about how these festivals and other ways that you get the message out on who you are and what you're doing? I like to use the analogy of a salad bar. Um, <laughs> talk with me, walk with me. Okay, uh, right. So most, I would so argue... Just be sure, Natasha and I are both hungry now. Well, I'm always hungry. That's, that's a food reference. Yeah, that's I why was, I'm bringing I was ready to bar. claim bacon. I'm like, can I be the bacon in the salad bar? <laughs> so my, my stance is like when you get your garden variety salad bar, it's pretty standard, right? You have your, your spring mix, maybe generally it's iceberg <laughs> that yeah. I think of as like, you know, what most Americans think of as the theater is your traditional what's on Broadway or what might, you know, five or six shows might come to town. Um, and maybe they'll see a show at a regional theater, but otherwise iceberg lettuce, right? Um, the fringe circuit and sort of like independent theater like this is your arugula, is your Swiss chard, is your, um, the stuff that you didn't know that you wanted, but maybe didn't have access to because it's just not the norm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think that's such a nice um, one because it's all, you know, relegated to one place. I think it's so amazing to be able to, you know, see a clowning show uh, in the afternoon and then that evening take in like the most gut-wrenching drama. Um, it, it, the ability to take in the kind of variety of art that it is, is amazing. That's a great, great that. response. Yeah, and I think one of the, one of the important things and it touches on something Bruce actually mentioned earlier about the, the lottery system that, yeah. that Tampa uses is that it really democratizes the, the festival mm -hmm. process. Whereas so many, and particularly in the opera world, you know, you have to audition, you have to be in the right crowd. You have to, you know, it's the right, this, the right, that, Whereas, you know, Fringe makes it accessible to anybody who wants to make art and, and however they do it and whether it is, you know, their individual passion. Now with us, with, with, with Vincero, it's, it's sort of a sandbox and a testing ground for us to explore this type of show that is outside of the norm of the opera world. And I have a whole list of hate mail from mm -hmm. the opera world <laughs> of, of people that, you know, don't like. Can that we read that on it? Yeah. No, 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 no,
find your audience, mm-hmm. find those people that, you know, take an interest in what you do. Natasha, had do you, uh, have you brought your company to other fringe festivals? Um, so this group that I'm working with is actually produced by another comedian, Clark Brooks. Um, so no, this is the second time we've been at Tampa Fringe. I, however, have done a solo show. I was in Edinburgh and Camden Fringe, which is in London. And then I was in Orlando with part of a, a like a poetry group. So uh, I've done other shows in other fringes. Um, yeah, but I have to agree with them. I think also one of the cool benefits of just Fringe even existing was how eye-opening it is for the artists as well. I remember like the first Fringes I went to, I, you know, you, you spend so much time just like hustling to get your show on its feet and like to promo for like for audiences and like you're just working your butt off. But then in the downtime, like you maybe sleep four hours a night. In the downtime, <laughs> you, which is great, like you're running on who knows what. But in the downtime, you go to see other shows. And I remember uh, the first big fringe I went to was actually Edinburgh and I was mm-hmm. there for a month. I was lucky enough Oof. to do that. Yeah, I know. Oof. Just hundreds how many of shows? thousands of shows every, right. every how, week. How many did you do? How many? I did, oh, I did, oh, I don't even know. How many did I do? <laughs> Maybe five, I think it was like 10 or something, 10 or 11. Too many. Yeah. But I remember seeing everything from like in one night seeing like a, sort of like a biopic musical of Edith Pia and like her Mm -hmm. and just this musician. It was incredible. And then the next thing going to like a group from like London that did a beatboxing show (laughs) and then another (laughs) show that was a drag, like all in one night. Like they said it was all in one place. So as an artist, all of a sudden you're like, you feel like the shackles sort of come off like, oh, I don't have to do this this way. You know, (laughs) I could do it this way. There's a sense that there's those lanes just yeah. have dotted lines between them, not solid yellow ones. That's exactly, that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then you find, you know, you meet these other great yeah, artists yeah. and you're like, oh, is there something, you know, for us to collaborate yeah. on in the future or even cross-promoting one show? Totally. So it's this uh, sense of community. Not yeah. last yeah. year, but I think, and I think it was, I don't think we did this in 2020, but uh, in 2019 uh, for Fringe Festival, uh, one of the acts that came on were acts that met a couple of years before and Aww. decided to do something together. You know, it's because they, and not acts that you would automatically think go together, but that kind of weird fit turned yeah. into this third wonderful thing. So uh, I, I want to let you listeners know that we're talking to uh, four of the participants when three of the groups that are uh, uh, doing Fringe, to, the Tampa Fringe tonight, tomorrow, or Sunday, or and Sunday, uh, you can play along by going online to tampafringe.org. And if you hit shows, you can uh, find out more about our guests and everything else going on. I want to dive in a little bit and talk a little bit about what you all do individually. Natasha, um, in a way, what you do makes complete sense to me because mm-hmm. comedians are writers. I mean, you have to be a writer, I would think, first and foremost, um, perhaps not maybe an entertainer or performer, but to to do well, you have to write well and um, and be sort of uh, adamant about cutting things, including things. There's a certain cruelty, I think, that you have to do to your own work when you're doing that. And that, of course, probably refers to everybody here. But will you talk a little bit about how the discomfort zone emerged and what where you sort of want to see it heading? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great question. I actually, my comedy 
background started at Second City in Chicago. And I, you said, you know, cutting your work. I can't shake it. But I had a teacher that used to say, like, you have to kill your babies. Right, yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, what did I sign up for? Like, what is <laughs> yeah. happening? Yep. But it is, it's about, like, trimming the fat and, like, really getting to the core of, like, what you want to say, even if you don't know that's what you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that, like, from talking to Clark, the guy that, that started this, he sort of got together a group of comedians a few years ago, pre-pandemic, we did a show at the fringe it was a comedy show i think he really felt though like he he loved or missed the the opportunity to do more storytelling especially in tampa like you see it here and there but you don't see a lot of it in like a solid way as you'll see in bigger cities like new york and chicago and like san francisco and so his desire was just like to you know, shake things up. Comedians are used to sort of doing the same sort of jokes that they know hit every time. Mm-hmm. Because when you're on stage, like if you if people don't laugh, like you feel like you're dead. Like you know, <laughs> they'll never call me back. Who am I even? Right. You go drink yourself to I sleep. Exist no more. <laughs> I exist no more. So I think what he it's well, like vampires, but with it laughter. Really is, it really is. Like, but instead of garlic or a steak, it's right. like silence is our right. death. <laughs> However, like on the string, like with storytelling, I actually have a, a, a deep background in storytelling. With storytelling something like silence isn't you don't you doesn't mean you're dying on stage sometimes it just means that you, the audience is like with you in that they're moment ratched, they're listening and so you as a performer as a storyteller you're allowed to like sort of feel this and experience this greater spectrum of like human emotions and i think that's what we really love about the storytelling part is that we want to be able to like, like if comedy is this one color bar, like we know that there's a much larger world as performers and we want to be able to play among like these six or seven or eight color bars and feel and play with those emotions. So I think that's what we want to do. We want to do more of this. We want to expand it, especially throughout Tampa and the, like, the Florida regional area. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I love storytelling because especially in this digital world, it really is such like an analog version of mm-hmm. connecting with people. Like you don't know what's going to happen up there. There's uh, years ago I interviewed an opera singer named Chris Trakis, and he also teaches a lot. And he was talking about my question to him was, "How do you know uh, when you're, you know, like when when you're the note is done? Like, how do you know that it's you know move on?" And he, and he was talking about filling this space, and then all of a sudden the space would feel full, and it was you know you would move on, but. But we also talked about, and there's an I promise there's an analogy, um, (laughs) that there was this also this physical space between the performer and the audience, and that the audience has to fill up their part of it because the performer can only fill up so much, and that the audience has to be creating their own energy. And I would think that as uh, as performers, and especially when you're walking into something that is a little or a lot uncomfortable or new or outside of people's expectations is to feel the size of what the audience is giving, like to feel that oh, yeah. that energy or that bubble of silence that might have a lot of energy in it. Like that has to, I, I would imagine that as performers, you have to have this other antenna sort of registering what is the audience doing right now and then how do I react to that? How do I harness it or how do I fix it? Um, which is, of course, I'm not a performer, I mean, whatever. Maybe this is performance, but I'm not really a performer. I don't know. You're my biggest audience in forever. If everyone could see Joelle and she's on her feet and yeah. she's like full five I know. I hate using the other studio because it's an all sit down studio. I'm like, I can't interview people. So yeah. But how do you? So I'm gonna. I, and I want to get to everybody's song. Yeah. But how then? How do you do that? How do you? 
um, take what you're doing, whether it is insane and spooky and, <laughs> and, and, and funny and or if it's sometimes incredibly beautiful, but then there's a, a twist. Around. Like, how do you work the audience with that? How do you measure the audience with that? Net? Oh, yeah, that's a very good Everyone's question. Everyone's looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, like, when COVID hit, right, and we were on the lockdowns, I had a great bunch of concerts I had to do on Zoom. And um. actually, the aspect of what was missing was this feedback of the audience and this energy vibe. And that's why I still re receive requests from time to time to do Zoom. But... I don't like it that much as doing a live performance exactly because this aspect is missing. You don't understand how the audience react. Mm -hmm. All you see is this Sesame Street, right? Like <laughs> right. a la window or whatever, like with people. And the thing is like you can't read reactions. Like some of the people have there's the camera turned off. There's no sensation. And yeah. this is for me, this is actually a huge deal. And the first uh, online concert was quite challenging because you don't get the feedback and you don't get the vibe, right? And what like I do when I do... Uh, my performances as an opera singer, I actually like to do the comedian stuff most of all. This is something I'm good at. <laughs> I make people laugh, people laugh, even though my husband always says he's the funny one in our couple. But when it comes <laughs> to always say that, yeah. So actually, I also have a comedian background. I was on the writer group for like for some shows, right? And for me, it was always challenging because we could like smile and laugh and joke. And when you bring it out, it's not always having the same audience reaction as we had a, as an author group. Right? Comedians yeah. Yeah. might find comedians funny in a different different way than audience and actually audience during this fringe festival like one of my hit numbers I would say the best like is a comedy act so I change like into a boy and I come and entertain like all the other so that's why I'm saying this is like also my number one genre and I love it a lot because it's easy to understand for the audience yeah. and like whenever you do it properly I always say you get the right reaction mm -hmm. but never go with what you find it like an author group because it's like 50-50 you know sometimes it's funny for you but it's not funny for the audience right mm -hmm. And also what I figured out, bring something from your own. So what you have yourself, don't try to be act as somebody else. Just find something humorous in your own and bring it out. You know, there's, uh, I've had this said before, and I want to know if this is true for you, that the audiences want you to succeed. Audiences yeah, want you sure. to yeah. win yeah. and stuff like that. Is that a tool? Like, is that... Uh, and not, not, I'm not saying that in any type of cynical way, but is that a tool that you can use knowing that they want you to do well? I mean, the psychologically, you're going to do any number of gymnastics on stage <laughs> to convince yourself that the audience hates you. <laughs> um, and there's a, there's a quote by uh, this English comedian uh, named Stuart Lee I read in his book, and he, he talks about how... Um, treat your audience like cats because if you treat them like dogs you know you're desperate for their affection you know they're gonna respond basically negative if you treat them like cats if you don't show interest in your audience uh, they'll come to you I don't 100% subscribe right, yeah. ascribe to that belief system but I do think it's it, as soon as you overly are conscious of your audience and your relationship with your audience. Like it, yes, it's, it has to be baked in. It's elemental. But I do think that if you lead with authenticity and lead with sort of, um, your foundation is you and not the audience, I think it brings out a better performance. Whereas if you are so self-conscious about like, oh God, am I bombing, am I bombing, am I bombing? You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna dovetail. Like right. there's, it's inevitable. Because you're not all, you're not all there yes. anyway. Your, your part of you is distracted. Mm -hmm. But since I'm talking and then I'm gonna do you guys, will you talk a little bit about um, the spooky and gay <laughs> yeah. cabaret? Um, so the show, I first, I, the first version of I did, I, I did of it was in 2019 uh, back home in Orlando. 
show and I've brought back different iterations of it and the whole premise was that I could um, make new stories for it, move bits around, things like that. In 2020, I did a version of it in my front yard um, during COVID because there weren't any theaters. Um, and so this version is sort of like the culmination of all those versions. It's it's made for touring. But I feel like I was really informed by the elasticity of like 90s, 80s, 90s children's horror. Um, so like scary stories to tell in the dark, goosebumps, um, are you afraid of the dark? Um, horror has this kind of sort of uh, priming effect for you know, children, that it's like, it, this is something that can happen in the world and you should prepare for this. And I think as a growing up as a queer person in Florida, um, I really was attracted to horror because, um, I don't know, it kind of equips you to face the difficulty of the world. And even if, you know, like it's campy and ridiculous and absurd. Um, there's still some kernel of, of truth in that. And so that's sort of the spirit of the show is that it is like about queer triumph and about um, facing adversity as a queer person and being both scary and stupid and silly. So. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty good. When uh, Whether you were doing it on stage or in your front yard, <laughs> uh, however, however that works, when you were sort of putting it together and, and sort of choosing the, the bits from the different versions of it, um, what is the flow that you're looking for? You know, is it, uh, do you, is it sort of like a up, down, up, down, or, or what do you want? What, what journey are you taking? I hate that one. No, that's, that that's, much, that's, how, are, how are you guiding the audience through, totally. through your hour, your 45 minutes? I, um, I'm a big mixtape playlist person, and so I love um, creating an, an arc and a trajectory, right? So, um, it, so much of it is like surgical in as much as like if you got to intuit by feel, I guess. So like I, I always love um, leading with lighter elements and then that gives, once you've gotten permission from the audience almost, you can get into the like the deeper, more cerebral stuff. And um, But you got to pull in and out of that, right? Because I think um, I know that as someone that lives with ADHD, like I, I get kind of bored if it's too much of one thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think that's true of, of life also, right? Is it's like, you know, we contain multitudes and I think our art should also reflect that. No, I, I kind of warned you guys, is there, you have your ukulele with you. Yeah. Is there something you can do for us very quickly with your ukulele? Yes. Um, I have, um, it'd be like two minutes. Is that okay? Two minutes? Is that okay? Well, yeah, I think we're good. Okay, cool. Two minutes. Um, so this story is about, um, is I'll do the front intro bit, um, is about a uh, trans person who lived on in like pioneer times, essentially. Okay. Do you need my mic for the ukulele? Um, or does that maybe we'll pick up. Right. We'll, we'll give it a go. Okay. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world below. There ain't no sickness, oh, sickness, <laughs> live theater, sickness, no toil nor danger in that bright land to which I go. Leaving home has a cost. Elijah was born to a family of fur trappers near the mountains, six older brothers, 
a mama who died giving birth to Elijah, and a father who insisted that his domain was the kitchen, was the picking of flowers. But Elijah refused to be kept in one place, skipping stones on the river, tearing his skirts while wrestling brothers twice his size. At age 10, he demanded trousers. At 12, his brothers taught him how to skin a hide in secret. And at 14, he could trap better than anyone, better than his own father, asked that they start calling him Elijah. From that moment forward, his father's eyes always looked through him as if Elijah wasn't even there at all. One summer evening, their father did not return from the woods. All they ever found of him the next day was the hat he always wore, wide-brimmed and leathered, and a brown-furred snowshoe hair caught in a trap that he'd set. The rabbit had died, its small leg bent backwards as if it had tried to flee from something. They never knew what took their father. And then there's more story than that. But. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. And that was Bruce. And then uh, now I would like to, I think it's a good time to start talking about the Italian, I'm coming over to talk to you instead of my mic, the Italian opera experience, because um, I'm just so excited that you all have the, uh, are here. I love, I love, love, love opera. And I have two of my closest friends work uh, within the opera world as not as performers, but as customers and stage managers and stuff. So I've, uh, they've given me like inside, inside info. Um, when did you get, when did you start the Italian opera experience? Well, really, probably last summer, um, you know, and it's, it's came out of, you know, just, pretty much years of, of frustration, you know, of the industry and, and you know, the, the, the opera industry is very, very much trying to find its place in the world. And I don't come out of this world. You know, I, I was a opera fan long before I met my wife and, um, you know, but meeting her and seeing so much incredible talent um, and then experiencing the the business and the the work side of it and seeing that you know what it's at the end of the day just like any other <laughs> business and there's politics and and there's this and that um and and probably you know the the whole covid experience really set into motion this idea of the need for you know, more emotional intelligence in, in people. And, you know, uh, we look at, look around at all the sort of social issues and, and all of that. And then it started hitting me, you know, when I talked to friends who were like, oh, well, I don't like opera. Well, what don't you like about it? Well, I never really listened to it. I guess I don't know. Or, you know, oh, it's not in my, you know, I don't understand the words. I don't understand that. And so there was a sort of point of, of culmination where I said, you know, what it's about is, and, and Natasha touched on a little bit earlier, you know, with the audiences, I said, it's about an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, for all this noise coming in from, from everywhere and people reacting, right? Right now we're in a world where everybody just reacts to what everybody says and no one takes the time to listen about it, you know, and, and I'd have these discussions, you know, as a, as a 50 year old white guy of European descent, you know, and people would, you know, friends in the military and, you know, you'd say, somebody would say, oh, you know, black lives matter. Well, all lives matter. And I'm like, you know what, if we step back for a second and we listen to the emotion Mm-hmm. of what everybody's saying. Whatever side you're on, if you have to you know, say you're on a side, 
if we get past words and we can say, you know what I hear? I hear anger. I hear fear. I hear a community that wants to be loved, that is, you know, that are just people looking to live their lives and be loved and this and that. And I said, you know, opera is a conduit for that. And, you know, in, in saying, you might not understand the words, but that's not what opera is all about. Opera, you know, was created and is about the expression of emotion. You know, and you can watch the news and you can see a, a you know, a, a child crying in some third world nation and you know they're sad. You know, there's a, uh, there's a meme, I guess, or whatever a long extended meme is <laughs> of the, um, of, uh, of all this news stories, but with different arias behind it. Right. And, uh, and in a way, because I think we've become immune to a lot of different uh, pain around the world. And, you know, even in our country, another school shooting, you know, we become immune to it. But then showing the footage, but then with this extremely emotional, you know, right. I mean, I don't, I, there might be an opera song that's kind of like, you know, blasé, but you don't associate blasé with, no, no, no. with opera, right. you know? So, so, but having these arias behind the news all of a sudden was much more impactful than just the reporting right. because it took the context of, of telling people, feel this, like feel how hard this is. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and that's why I said, we're not, you know, we're not on a mission to, you know, create opera fans. We're on a mission to give people an opportunity to step back and have an enjoyable experience that takes them through the reins of emotion. So I say, you know, literally, and from audience feedback, you laugh, you cry, you cheer, <laughs> you know, all of the, you know, all of these things come out, and you and you just sort of have this release. And and if you can, if you can take that forty five minutes mm -hmm. of being intentionally focused mm -hmm. on sharing the emotion that's coming from the performers. If you can, if you can hold on to that and bring it home with you, mm. and when your spouse says something, or the neighbor <laughs> says something, or you see something on the street, you you can pull that out of your toolkit and be like, okay, well, what's behind this? And if we can focus on, you know, he, on on connecting with the emotion of who we're listening to. Right. Then we all might be a little bit I better mean, people. How many operas are based on some sort of misunderstanding? Like that's, you <laughs> know, I mean, that's a pretty common trope <laughs> in operas. I mean, it's a common trope in Shakespeare. Yeah. It's a common trope yeah. in everything. But that's what, there's so many operas where there's a misunderstanding between characters or misunderstanding of intent. And the, right? So, yeah, and so the it's a great vehicle. Thing, and the amazing thing, and again, this is sort of my criticism of the opera world. They say, you know, all oh, these were written, you know, 150 years ago and they're misogynistic and there's violence against women. And there's, you know, this net. And I'm like, yes. And that's the important <laughs> and point. And what's changed? And then, exactly. There's this effort to sort of change the story. There's this effort to change the story to, you know, make it more empowering. And I'm like, I think the more impactful thing is when you can walk away and say, wow, you know what? That thing was written 150 to 203. I mean, it's a 400-year-old art form. And isn't it more powerful to sit back and say, why are some of these things still the same? Or to say, you know, look, 400 years ago, right. we had men who were doing women's roles or women who were doing britches roles, you know, mm -hmm. the, playing male characters and this and that. You know, where did it all get disconnected? Right. And so when, uh, when someone comes to see the, 
the experience to experience the experience. <laughs> <laughs> is there an interactive component to it? There is. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, is that is that a surprise often to your audience members like that 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 there's more it's not just they're not sitting there watching that there's a little bit yeah more I think to you know I think again like Natasha said I think it's this idea that the performers just bring them in mm-hmm. um, and and they're folded into it and and you know one thing we just did, we did Hollywood fringe and you know they had the theater and they're like okay we're gonna dim the theater lights I'm like no keep the lights up on the audience because we want you know, the performers oh, yeah. to, to connect. That's wonderful. Well, um, we are sort of getting close to time, and I wanted to see if you all, we had, um, from Bruce, we had a, a excerpt, and I was wondering if there's an excerpt that we can get from uh, Natasha, an excerpt that we can get from Nat and Gino. Is there, Natasha, totally. would you mind going first? Yeah, no problem. Um, so, again, our show is five different comedians uh, sharing true stories. You will laugh, you will cry, you will feel all the feels, sorry. Um, <laughs> but a little snippet of uh, from my story, I my story is about uh, something that I lost, sort of a coming-of-age story um, that, I, that I found again and then lost. It's not an opera, though. It could be. <laughs> um, we'll but we'll talk. But there was a moment. So uh, I, talk, I talk about running and how I lost that at one point. It used to be a big part of my life. But the good memories that I that I had from it, and one one such memory was uh, my sisters were runners, too. And my one sister, Angelina, the singer, she and I used to house at this one family's house in our neighborhood. When they'd go, they had a cat, this really, like, fat, furry cat. so cute. And, you know, you probably don't need to check up on a cat that often, but we made sure we would go every day because the mother had two freezer fulls. She had like six kids, two freezer fulls though of like ice cream and homemade cookie dough because her boys got whatever they wanted. And so my sister and I would go there every day and walk along the mile or two from our house to theirs. And we're walking through these, you know, the Florida trails in our neighborhood and we're just talking along, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, at night, we hear like a rustle in the woods and we're like, oh my God. And we keep walking. <laughs> we hear it again. It's like, oh, what was that? Like, was it a snake? Because it's Florida. <laughs> Is it a Florida panther? <laughs> or was it just a man? <laughs> like, <laughs> And all of a sudden, we finally hear this deeper rustle and this loud, oh. you know, in Florida, there are wild boars. <laughs> and we jetted the rest of the way to the house (laughs) because all we could imagine is the next day on the news like two Florida girls found stranded in the trails (laughs) Um, but yeah it's just uh, that you're going to have to come to the show to see what happens next (laughs) (laughs) it's not as spooky and gay and cool as it was a literal pig in a wig there was a little pig (laughs) (laughs) did a drag number (laughs) I was chased by boars once it was really freaking scary I'm on a pine island did Did you what? You Pine survive. Island. Everything happens on Pine Island. It it's like the final yeah. frontier beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Did you have a crossbow with you? Did you have I one? Did not, that night? I, I did not. I did not. We did not. We did not roast them over the fire or anything. I, oh. I ran into the water and thinking like. I'll be good. And then they ran into the water. So then I ran really deep into the water. They fat floats. Do they just float to you? I don't think they like to be in over their heads. Uh, so, but yeah, it was same. Very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Aggressively doggy paddle. Piggy paddle. She just rode paddle. the pig into the canal. <laughs> Ride the pig. Ride the pig. Um, and on that note, um, <laughs> is there any lovely thing that we can hear from... 
everyone's looking at you. I'll leave that yeah, to Natalia. Yeah, the thing is like, I will just do a short popery. Is it right? Or like how it's called like in English? I, I don't know what you're going to do. It's cool. Remember when I had a presentation, I did uh, like... A mix? A mix, right? A mix. So like from the best <laughs> parts of the show, even though I will try to sing a tenor, a baritone, a soprano, and a mezzo. Wow. wow. So that will be probably, you know, 30 seconds till one minute. I will just try to touch like just the go for it. most <laughs> famous pieces, which you probably will definitely recognize. Yeah, get so. the soundboard ready to adjust yeah. the <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking I shouldn't be that close, okay. right? Because it's like, okay. <laughs> differently if you're sitting down yes i actually had a little of course it's like for me it's easier when i just and i'm not warmed up so i just give it a quick shot i think it was okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should say so. I so, up, right? there you have samples from the tampa fringe festival that goes tonight tomorrow night and sunday um you all are performing tonight and sunday tonight saturday and sunday tonight saturday Next and sunday nights. well they should put that in your thingy and then um <laughs> bruce let me find your where yeah, i am uh, also tonight saturday and sunday my opening i think it's six seven something tonight. okay i'll find out i think we're i think, yeah, I think we're, I think we're competing website. shows that's fine but there but they've got three nights to see i know but i want to see yeah. spooky gang gay can switch right. <laughs> <laughs> i want to see right, bruce's show you do show. the opera and you do spooky gang yeah. gay perfect and then uh and then uh you're, uh, yeah. you're on Saturday? Yeah, so we've been performing all week, so our final show is Saturday at 4.30. Excellent. This is so great. So, dear listeners, I will put up links to these shows. You can already go to the Art in Your Ear Facebook page and find a link to the whole festival and everybody's names and, and stuff. And then I'll put up links to the shows and links to everybody's uh, Instagram or website and stuff like that so you have it. I'm so grateful that you guys came in today. This was so good, and I could just listen to, ah, listen to you all day long <laughs> ask you about 97 more questions so um, thank you so much for coming on thank you thank you for having us uh, a lot of fun so now in in um, to say good luck in opera is it is that merde or is that ballet merde merde, merde. okay and that then, means dookie 
You're what? It's, it's, what? it's poop. It's because of the... I know. Yeah, we know that. We know that. Did you call it dookie? <laughs> I actually have to stop because we have, we're out of time. So thank you so much for coming thank in. You. And then we are going to hear a little bit of... Um, here we go. I'll be right back. And then we'll be right back with our guests. Or we'll be right back to let you know what's going on. Chef Big Eddie G inviting you to the Soul Kitchen. Me and my assistant chef, Mr. White Pepper David Bryant, serve up the best of R&B and soul music with a pinch of hip-hop and jazz and a dash of fun. So stop by Friday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Bring your appetite because the kitchen will show enough fill you up right. Here, only on 88.5 WMNF. And thank you so much. To my guests, give me a few minutes. I'll have all their uh, 
contact information up on the website. You've been listening to WMNF Tampa. WMNF, this is Art in Your Ear. Uh, and I will not be here next week, but you'll get Brian Van Fleet playing music, which is just about as good as it gets. Stay tuned for E-Love and her Global Electronica show. After that, we have the live music showcase that's followed by Rhythm Revival, which is a exploration of the roots, a very funny exploration of the roots of rock and roll. And then uh, Soul Party, and as you heard, Damn Jams. Soul Party is all classic soul music, and the Damn Jams. Is, uh, and then after that is Flashback Friday, which has lots of uh, Florida blues and soul. Here on 88.5 WMNF, Tampa.